Covered in Glory is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. Welcome back to another edition of Covered in Glory, where we are back after the international break. I've personally had a long couple of weeks, but it's not as bad as being Paul Pogba's nutritionist. Brett, you used to work with professional athletes. Have you ever ended someone's career in a single day, or did you prefer to do it over a longer period of time? Uh, definitely the longer period of time. No, uh, we 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 would outsource nutrition to someone else. We never told guys what to eat kind of precisely for that reason. Uh, we didn't want to be like, yeah, we eat these. We didn't know that it was laced with the X, Y, Z that you're going to get suspended for. Um, no. So, yeah, we just we just try to subtly destroy them by teaching them the wrong things on the basketball court. That's all we did. <laughs> well, I'm sure that paid off big time for you since you're now a soccer podcaster. <laughs> you can see where you can see where it got me. <laughs> yeah. Well, Pog was an all-time to miss career, and we'll probably have to do that at a future podcast. Yeah. I, mean, I, I hate seeing it happen. Like I loved Paul Pogba when he burst on the scene with France and what was that, the 2014 World Cup. I mean, just had all the talent in the world. And to think that he's facing a four-year suspension on the wrong side of 30, I think he might be done. So uh we'll cover that in a future show but man that was really a little bit disheartening and not the most uplifting news in the soccer community but it does lead me into well it leads me well into what i want to talk about the top of the show brett as we've kind of previewed in some of our first editions of covered in glory we have decided to spread our wings and use them to fly overseas out into the (laughs) continent and get away from just english football we are going to start talking about some games and some other leagues which i am really excited about but i don't want to just like start talking about those games without giving a primer to some of our listeners so we are going to cover a Serie a game today in italy and i thought i would turn it over to my partner the maestro who watches all this stuff with the same spreadsheets and the same lens he does with the english game to talk about some of the differences in Serie A versus the premier league yeah, I mean, Syria, it's the, the birthplace of Catanaccio. I would have made a better uh, Mario than Chris Pratt, as I offend every <laughs> Italian listener that is now now just shut off our podcast. No, um, I, I mean, Syria is an interesting league. Um, so when I say this, I'm not saying it's the best league, but I think it's inarguable at this point that it's the most competitive league. Um, they've had four different title winners in the last four years. Uh, Juventus, Inter, uh, Napoli, and AC Milan have all won the Scudetto, which is like the other name for the Serie A title if you're completely new to the league. Um, so it's 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 an interesting league, too. Um, it, the running joke is kind of like it's the way that a lot of players have like extended careers. Um, so we've seen like Heinrich Mkhitaryan, uh, even Dzeko, like go there kind of in their early 30s and like extend their primes a little bit to that point. Um, I, I know you want to jump the, in. I was watching the Serie A game getting ready and I saw Juan Cadrado on the pitch and I almost fell out of my chair. I mean, that I guy know. has been on milk cartons for a decade and suddenly <laughs> he's assisting goals. It's insane for Inter. Yeah, and I, and part of the reason for that in Syria, which I think the quality of soccer is actually uh, pretty good, um, but it's it's a little bit more chill, I guess would be the way to describe it. Um, so Germany, if you watch Germany, it's just basically there's no midfield. It's just like 
end-to-end action. There's a ton of transitions, a lot more goals. Um, Spain is actually, <laughs> although La Liga people might come after me if they hear this, but Spain's actually pretty dreadful. Um, it's, it's basically teams just trying to figure out ways to like break the possession hold that Madrid and Barcelona have on them. Um, but Italy is a little bit more laid back. They're like the least aggressive uh, league in the world in terms of tackles and interceptions, passes per defensive action, things that you would associate with pressing and winning the ball back. So they play a little bit slower. They play a little bit less aggressive, but there's good teams. I mean, AC Milan and Inter, which not to ruin it, is the matchup we're going to talk about today. We're in the semifinals of the Champions League last year. Um, AC Milan has an interesting backstory as well. Uh, their ownership group, Redbird Capital, came in. Uh, that's the one that's been associated with Billy Bean, uh, Luke Bourne, who some analytics people might know, who's with the Kings and with Roma for a while, uh, kind of runs a, like a stats group that associates with Redbird. So they do a lot of their player acquisition, which has seen a couple of Chelsea players uh, move over to AC Milan this year. Ruben Loftus-Cheek mm-hmm. and our American hero, uh, Pulisic. Um, so it's an interesting league. Uh, I mean, the, the most interesting part is Napoli won the Scudetto last year with a really talented, aggressive pressing team. I think they're kind of everybody's like Champions League darlings, you know, that everybody loved watching the Napoli matches. Um, and then Luciano Spalletti left the club immediately after and ended up taking over the Italian national team, I think, in the middle of last month. Um, and we've all known the downfall of Italian soccer because they weren't the World Cup last year, which we covered here. Um, so it's an interesting time for soccer in Italy. I'll put it that way. Well, so how does this chillness translate into the gambling world? Is it something that you should look at unders on corners? Should you look at fewer cards because there aren't as many crunching tackles? Is there any sort of statistical differences between it and the Premier League that can be exploited, probably in the player prop market because all game lines are so mature already? Yeah, I think what you'll see mostly is you won't get crazy off the rails games in terms of cards. Um, Like you said, I think in terms of cards, in terms of corners, and and definitely probably not in terms of goals. Um, I mean, you'll see Premier League games that go off the rail and all of a sudden like Fulham Forest is like a 5-4 match. It doesn't really happen as often in Syria uh, just because of the pace. Like there's just not, not, not enough possessions. So those games are pretty few and far between. Uh, back threes are a little bit more of a staple. Uh, Juventus is currently playing one right now and Weston McKinney and, and I think Timothy Way are the wing packs for that team. Um, Inter has kind of made that a staple uh, of their thing. I mean, throughout managers, Inter has kept this like back three. So you just get more defenders typically on the pitch. Um, it's not the same as it used to be where like Italy was known as the land of defensive solidity. I mean, the Catanaccio, as we've talked about, Um so, but it, I think the lower score lines, unders will probably be, I mean, a, a, you know, a little bit better bets, I think, in this point. Um, there's not as many shots. Mostly play, uh, play is going to be funneled through star players. Um, so anytime goal score numbers might be interesting to look at, um, especially because we know, as we always talk about it, every show throughout the network, prop bets are the best place to go. Um, and so I think those are places to kind of look at when you kind of take the overall style and then mash it into where can I find my edges are better. Well, shocking that Romelu Lukaku finds it a lot more comfortable in Italy where everything is slower and he doesn't have to do as much. I saw him <laughs> playing for Roma this last week. I was waiting where, for that. Yeah, he's wearing number 90, which is the same number of teams that he claims to have loved as a kid. So it's a great homage to his real loyalty as he continues to eat his way through the continent. Um 
But I'm excited to talk about it. You already said the game. It's it's Inter Milan versus AC Milan. Uh, we will cover that at the end of the show, but we'll even give you a break beforehand to see if you want to, to dip out and not enjoy us on our international excursion. Right yeah. now, we are going to take a break, and then we are going to come back and still talk about the Premier League for the bulk of the show. Uh, we got four games that we're excited to talk about, and we'll be right back after this love for Caesars. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars. Caesar Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gambling helpline ma.org michigan call 1-800-270-7117 illinois maryland new jersey tennessee virginia west virginia ohio pennsylvania affiliated with harris philadelphia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or west virginia 1-800-GAMBLER.net new york call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 this podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Okay, Brett. 
you got me all excited to head down to Italy, but we got some business to conduct right here in, in uh, well, I say here, I'm sitting in Washington, D.C., but right in our usual home. Of yeah, I mean, have you, been, have you been communicating with your friends in the Lazio Ultras? I mean, I, I haven't heard you talk about them for a while. <laughs> sure. No, definitely the brush I want to be painted with. You know me so well. <laughs> Uh, all right, so staying away from the ultras, but heading down into the top of the table where we have West Ham fourth at 10 points versus Manchester City first at 12 points. This game is Saturday at 10 a.m. City is minus 215. West Ham is plus 525. The draw is plus 350. City minus a goal and a half is plus 125. West Ham is minus 160. So, Brent, West Ham beat Brighton 3-1 and Chelsea 3-1. They've only dropped points uh, this year to Bournemouth, strangely enough. The underlying numbers support the Brighton win, generating 3.23 XG and a whopping six big chances against the statistical darlings uh, down at Seaside. They obviously had no chance against Chelsea, which is XGFC, and Chelsea wins that battle 2.49 to 1.8, as they always do, even though they lost the heck out of the match. Uh, But that still means they generated 1.8 1.8 xg against a really good defense helped by a last minute penalty of course and they but they did only manage 1.03 xg against luton last time out and if you're wondering this is all a prank because i am taking all of the stats that you want to give because i want you to explain west ham uh, to me without using all the stats that i just gave and how the heck do they have 10 points so far this season is it all a mirage or do they actually have value for the rest of the year uh, I don't think they do. I am a West Ham skeptic. Um, I, I think the loss of Declan Rice, I mean, I kind of look at it in the sense of like, he's been, re- I mean, maybe you'll disagree with this. But I think he's been really good for Arsenal. Uh, I don't know how much he's moved the needle, but they replaced him with Edson Alvarez. And I was kind of lukewarm on Alvarez, but I'm also suspicious of like taking a defensive midfielder from teams like Germany or the Netherlands because those <laughs> leagues have lots of goals. So what is the defensive midfielder really doing there? Um, I don't think he does all that much, at least in the early going. I mean, he's still transitioning to the league. So we always hold off a little bit of judgment there. Um, But the Brighton match is probably the one that I think stands out for most people that have watched West Ham or West Ham believers. But even that you have to take it with a grain of salt because our boy, Roberto Deserby, I mean, God bless him. But he rolled out James Milner at right back with a double pivot of Pascal Gross and Billy Gilmore. Toby, I think you and I could have started for West Ham on the wings and maybe notched goals in that game against that trio. Um, so I think it's well, just there. Only if I went to Pogba's nutritionist first. Yeah, yeah, well, both of us need a little bit of a boost of testosterone. Um, so, I, I, But I do think like there's there's some interesting stuff going on with, with West Ham in terms of Jared Bowen's revival. Um, I think he's at uh, 0.57 expected goals per 90 through the early going. We kind of thought we, we were riding the Bowen train up until last year. Then he plateaued and we kind of got off the train. And now this year well, he's started I, off. What's this flat. we? What's this we? You love to do this. You love to oh, say like, I just I threw you in there so I'm not embarrassed by myself. Yeah, exactly. You love to do this. Like I was the one giving out Jared Bowen. Like I was the one picking him any time go and I was the Bowen stand. It's clearly you. Don't loop me in on this one. I just see you nod your head involuntarily sometimes. And I just assume that you're tacit agreement that you're in on the train. And yeah, you're just assuming I'm not listening. Like next year you're going to be telling the audience that I love Trent Alexander Arnold as a defender, and I'm going to go, oh, yeah, I sure do. Like, no, take your own position, sir. They're yours and yours alone. Fine, I'll stand firm that I was the one that rode the Bowen roller coaster. Um, you got me to admit that I ordered the code red. 
but <laughs> but I I do think that there that's an interesting kind of subplot to this West Ham team. If he kind of spurses back up and looks like he's one of the top level attackers in the Premier League, which he kind of seemed like he was on track to do. Um, and near the and he is near, near the tail end of his prime. So it's not like he's a young guy that's maybe riding a little bit of a wave. I think he's 27 or 28 at this point. Um, but other than that, I you know, the David Moyes recruitment like hasn't really like blown me away as it usually never does. David Moyes recruitment never is something that makes people go, oh, wow, this is amazing. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of it's context. I mean, Luton, I mean, the Luton town match, the XG is a little bit skewed because they they did go up and XG always kind of is favorable to teams that are trying to come back in the match because uh, they're obviously aggressively pressing to tr- try to create chances. Um, but they didn't look good. I, I mean, I watched that game because I bet money on it, you know, because I'm a lunatic. Um, so <laughs> I was not impressed. So the eye test for me with West Ham just does not match up to the fourth place on the table. Yeah, I agree completely. And look, Pep is back from his back surgery. He's going to be back on the sidelines uh, this Saturday. I know Kova might sit out, but it looks like John Stones might come back. And once John Stones comes back, like it's over. You pair him with Rodri, and I, I keep saying it over and over again. Like, who the heck is ever going to score against this team? The watching them dismantle Fulham five one. I think the thing that shocked me the most, Brett, in watching that game is how do they keep suckering a team like Fulham into abandoning parking the bus and actually move their line up to allow for runs behind them in the final third? Like Chelsea can't ever pull that off. Chelsea is always like running down the wings and then trying to lump the ball in from the touchline or trying to dribble past three people. Somehow they get full into like Jedi mind trick and actually start chasing them in the midfield. And all of a sudden Halan or Alvarez is behind them and they're in for a tap in. Like, I just, I don't get how they're pulling this off, but I do know that there is not a number that city has been placed at quite yet where I wouldn't take it. So I'm taking them on the adjusted line here. Plus one point or sorry, minus 1.5 at plus 125. Yeah, uh, you and I are in the same boat. I, If I'm a West Ham skeptic, uh, I am definitely a City believer, even though I'm still trying to see how Pep is going to piece some of this stuff together. Um, and this weird, like, floating half-six, half-centre-back role that, like, Akanji is playing. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Um, but, I mean, City's really good. I think Doku, I mean, it's hard to – I know Pep's had a couple of misses, Um you know, with Phillips being one, Kevin Phillips being one of them. But I think Jeremy Doku is going to be an interesting player for them. Um, I, I think another interesting podcast topic later on is what's going to happen to Jack Grealish um, at this point. But I, I think they're just good. I, I, City's good. I think this is their league. Uh, minus one and a half. I mean, you're you're not really eating. Or, I mean, you're getting a plus number for that. And I just don't trust the West Ham defense. They've given up chances. And I I I just think Declan Rice was a loss that we're going to see accumulate in their totals of their chances in the defending as the year goes on. All right, we're off to a hot start. We took two weeks to really study the numbers and came back with City. City still good. This is this is why people tune in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ho- hopefully they do turn in for our prop bets though. And I am still all over this, Brett. I do not understand this number. Phil Foden anytime assists this week, the numbers actually gone up. It's up to plus two eighty. 
It's so often makes me suspicious. It's like an Admiral Akbar level. It's a trap, but I'm, I'm <laughs> obviously doing it. He's thriving filling in for KDB. He has assists in each of his last three games. I continue to cash it. He gets to feed the great, the greatest offensive piece in the world in Halon. And he's even taking most of their corners. So he's getting assists off of set pieces. So I'm sure eventually this bet will get cold, but I'm up so much on it now. It's going to take basically until KDB come back for me to give it all back to the house. And I love my odds of staying in the black. So yet again, my prop is Phil Foden, anytime assist at an unbelievable plus 280 this week. Yeah, uh, that's a great bet. And it pairs nicely with my prop bet, which is the over on just city goals at two and a half at plus 145. Um, I, I'm i with you, man. Uh, it's with the way that, City plays without De Bruyne in the lineup because De Bruyne, we love him, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, but he monopolizes the ball when he's out there. They're they're looking for him. He's playing the final pass in. He's playing the one twos again in the box where he can try to cut it back or cross it. That job goes to Foden. It's kind of like a natural thing, and with the way that City are playing, with kind of it's like kind of a like a two man strike partnership with Haaland and Alvarez. Alvarez is not that type of creative player. Like he's not a, like a guy that sets up. He's more of like a, more of an industrious kind of connector, second striker type of player. And so that just means that, that the ball is going to naturally get funneled to the most creative player on the pitch. Who's that guy? Phil Foden. So that's a great bet. It, it feeds well into my bet. I just have confidence that I think City is going to trash West Ham this game. So I yeah. love the over. I think three, four, or five goals are all in their range of outcomes. And I think West Ham uh, not scoring at all is also incredibly likely yeah. here. So City to win to nil is plus 155, which I also think is way too high. Outside of a James Ward-Prowse set piece, like where's where are they going to get a goal? How does anybody score against City, let alone this team? And I know Paqueta has been really good, but Paqueta has been really good at winning the ball back and springing like attacks off of it. And they're not going to—he's not going to be able to do that against City. City's just going to continue to boss him, and Rodri's going to take him out of the game. So I just don't know where the goal is going to come from. And to get a plus number for City to only score once and West Ham not to score at all, one fifty-five also seems way off to me. And another great bet. Yeah, I agree. I mean. We know my Ederson caveats with that, but the last time I went in on Ederson, he had the game of his life in the Champions League final. So I'm just going to zip my mouth and say, great bet, Toby. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, let's get down to one of my less great bets. And you guess where we're heading. And that would be <laughs> the, mood to the mood shift gives it away. <laughs> yes. Bournemouth 16th at two points versus Chelsea 12th at four points. This game is Sunday at 9 a.m. Chelsea is minus 135. Bournemouth is plus 340. The draw is plus 280. Chelsea minus half a goal is minus 140. Bournemouth ha uh, plus half a goal is plus 110. All right, Brett. So XGFC Chelsea is third in the XG table. They are third in the XG table. I just want to say that twice because it is almost hard to believe. They are behind only City and Arsenal and only have four points to show for it. And by the way, they're knocking on the door of Arsenal. They're about to be second in the table. Bournemouth is 16th. And, um, and Chelsea continues to dominate lower opposition in the XG category. Uh, on the Forest game that they lost 1-0, they actually won XG 2.3, 2.76. 
So I don't know when this translates to points. I don't know when it's finally going to come. Jackson, Nico Jackson, who I've grown to love, I've grown to be very fond of, absolutely had one to forget last game out. His first touch in situations that require close control is more than a little concerning, caused a caused major uh, mayhem with his runs and picking up the ball and, and charging at opponents. But anytime the ball was hit to his feet in the box, it was absolutely comical. But you have said it a million times on the show. If you, Brett, really re- believe that regression comes from everyone except for Messi, you absolutely have to keep laying the odds on Chelsea because it will turn good. And at minus 135, that is great odds against a Bournemouth team that is going to spend most of this year fighting the drop. And it's going to be an interesting thing for style because like Chelsea often just struggles against parked buses. It's the same thing Forrest did. Luton tried to do it. Heck, even Liverpool did it a little bit against them. But uh, Irola is not known for doing that, the, the Bournemouth manager. But he likes to try to control out of the midfield. And how the hell is he going to boss Casado and Enzo? I don't think he's going to be able to do that. I don't think he's going to be able to play long balls over the top to beat the team. So I like Chelsea to get 1-0 here, maybe 2-0 dare I dream and, and uh, end up cashing this bet. Yeah. I, I, you know, I came in with Iriola. I, I thought he had some interesting ideas. Um, I, I mean, I'm not putting this on him entirely. They haven't really seen any different or better. Um, I think, God, this is making me question all my life choices that I'm about to say this. I think Bournemouth misses Jefferson Lerma, uh, which means oh, I do way too much soccer thinking. Um, but they do, he was kind of a defensive midfielder for them. He really tied things together as like their industrious center. Um, Tyler Adams, uh, our U.S. soccer favorite has just not been ready with his hamstring injury. And I think until they clear that up, I just can't really form an opinion on what Bournemouth is trying to do or how effective they're going to be. So yeah, I am a, an XG believer. So I'm going to take the Chelsea money line. Um, I, when you just generate chances, like that's that's why this stat has hung around. That's why it's associated so well with soccer. It's it's not like like any stat. It's not the end all be all, but it's a very predictive stat stat of future success going forward. Chelsea are creating chances. Even Nico Jackson, if he ends up being a below average finisher, the chance he had against Forrest, that's still going to go in a lot of the time that he takes it. Um, but we only get to see it in the match one time. I don't, yeah. I don't like. It, it's incredible. Like of all the gifts that professional soccer players have, like the unbelievable touch and the speed and the acceleration and the creativity, their ability to get a ball off the ground over the bar within like three yards at that speed. I don't know how they do it so often. I couldn't put that ball over the bar. If you gave me 10 tries, it's not because I'm like skilled. It's like, even if I tried to, I couldn't get it that high that quick. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, uh, that game moves so fast. It's amazing how some of those things happen. Uh, the, the weirdest thing was like Matt Turner was wiped out of the play on the side of the goal. So that yeah. I think it was an, a pretty much an open net, too. So you, you never know. I I mean, I hate to rag on athletes because they're doing stuff that I can never do. But yeah, that's an imp- it was an impressive miss. I'll put it that way. Um, and I am sort of counting on some more impressive misses. Um, I, this this If this game was at Stanford Bridge, I would be more bullish on taking an over bet and seeing the goals flow. Uh, but the last time that we saw Chelsea kind of away and they're, they are a younger team, they didn't really look that great. So I'm actually going to take the under of 2.5 goals of plus money because I think that 
it covers two bases. If Chelsea falls on their face, a 1-1 draws in the range of that, you get to cover. If Chelsea sort of underachieves their XG, they could still win 1-0, you get to cover. And then if Bournemouth obviously gets a shock win, it's probably because Chelsea has another game that makes you pull your hair out, and they're winning 1-0. So I do like that you're getting plus juice on the under two and a half goals. Yeah, I, I, there's no world where I'd play the over, let me tell you that. So I definitely <laughs> prefer the under. Um, and my bet's not far, far away from what you're talking about. I uh, decided to get a little creative here and, and get a little plus number going. And it's a bet we talk about a lot, but I put a twist on it. Chelsea to win the first half to nil plus 155. So they don't have Ooh. to go clean sheet win to nil like we've talked about over and over again. And this is appropriate because they're half a good team to do half a good thing. Uh, they <laughs> they haven't been really slow starters this year. And over half of their XG has come in the, fir- in the first half of their matches. And I think Bournemouth isn't going to try to take it to Chelsea to the point where I believe Chelsea will concede a goal to them. It comes down to, will Chelsea make their dumb mistake in the first 45 minutes? Or will they make their dumb mistake in the second 45 minutes? And given the odds here, and given the equality of chances Chelsea's created, and getting it all the way up to plus 155, I'm taking a twist on one of our favorite bets and just doing it at the halfway point at plus 155, Chelsea to win to nil. I just love the axioms that we're going to be giving our soccer audience here. Bet a good team to do a good thing. Bet a half good team to do half of a good thing. Just like, this is why you come to us, people. Why are you listening to any other podcasts about sports? I don't understand it. When you get this level of knowledge and wisdom from us, I just, I'll never understand it. All right. Well, I don't understand why anybody listened to us in the first place. So you and I are in disbelief about (laughs) completely separate topics. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of being in disbelief about things, I cannot believe you're still an Everton fan and we're about to explore that. So Uh, Everton 18th, one point versus Arsenal fifth at 10 points Sunday at 1130 AM. Arsenal is minus 190. Everton is plus 500. The draw is plus 320. Arsenal minus a goal and a half is plus 140. Everton is minus 180. So I've just had it, Brett. I've had it. You tried to skip this game this week. You sent me an email where you didn't want to do it, and I'm not allowing you off the hook. It is time to pay the piper. Every it's Leverkusen Byron. Every stinking week, I have to come on this mic and I have to face the music about my favorite team disappointing me again and again while you skate by and Everton stinks up the entire English countryside. Not today, pal. Come on. Give us the update on what is happening at Everton and and do you still support this club? I mean, I have no choice. I mean, I've been cheating on them with Brighton for years. Like, let's say we're going to get that out in the open here, okay? Like, I will admit to my infidelity with Brighton. Um, but, I, I mean, the, the the case with Everton is simple. Their ownership group is a mess. They have no money. They've had to sell players. Like, I think the Awobi sale to Fulham was essentially just a financial thing. Um, and they the, the players that they brought in were just loan fees with payments that are pushed off in the next year. Um, so you're just seeing a team in the midst of a financial crisis. And they're in the Premier League. And they're having yeah. a financial crisis, Toby. The World Super yeah. League. How does not how does Nottingham Forest come up from the championship I, and spend two years buying 50 players? And Everton's been in the Premier League for I don't know 120 out of 121 years or whatever the insane number is, and yet they can't afford to get anything besides loan fees. What is actually going on here? 
Well, I mean, this is also what happens when your ownership group uh, props up your your revenue stream with uh, shell companies tied to Russian oligarchs. So lesson learned for all you folks trying to do that out there. Um, no, I mean, you're, I mean, look, like I would love to screen share and just pull up their FB ref page of their roster and or transfer market page and be like, you can just tell yourself by looking at this team why Everton is bad. Where are their good players? Um, you know, they're relying on Neto, this the striker from the Port- uh, from uh, the Portuguese league. It's like they're now their center forward to fill in. Calvert-Lewin inevitably misses 25 matches this year. It's just not good. I mean, like I'm literally sitting there looking at this, th- this team being like, man, they're really missing Dwight McNeil. And when you're saying that, Toby, when you're saying that phrase about a soccer club, you are in deep trouble. And no, in more ways than just like who you're associating your fandom with. Just I'm, the I'm fact offering that you're you a free pass. That. I'm offering yeah. you a free pass. Give up on Everton formally. Adopt Brighton. Adopt whoever you want to. But a ba- like, if the owner's going to abandon the club, why do you have to stick with them? I went through this with the with the Commanders for years and years, and now I'm back because we changed owners, and I never actually strayed. But I wouldn't blame you. I started rooting for my fantasy team. I started rooting for my bets. I know that's what you're doing right now. Do you really want to go down with the ship, or do you want to jump over to that Brighton lassie that you've already been seeing on the side for years now? Well, I mean, you are a lawyer, so I guess I could, you know, send my divorce papers with Everton directly to you and you could take care of that for me. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, Everton has become uninteresting. The the reason I became an Everton supporter in the first place was essentially David Moyes, who was kind of doing Moneyball type stuff, you know, back in the before the Moneyball era, maybe even hit soccer. Um, And now that club is Brighton. And that's real. That's uh, I mean, when we're going to talk about them later, but that's been the disappointing thing about the Everton fall. It's like they used to be a club associated with, you know, pinching pennies, making bargain buys, like doing things that kind of worked against the grain of the transfer market, punching above their weight. They are absolutely not that team now. It's the exact opposite. They are the most dysfunctional club, probably in the top flight of English football right now. Yeah. Well, they've only scored in one game so far this year, which is still more things than I can think of that they do well on a football pitch. So this was an incredibly easy one, Brett. Like I, the only reason I wanted to put it in here is it was so easy for me to get my <laughs> wager in. Uh, Everton couldn't score against Fulham. Everton couldn't score against Wolves. Everton couldn't score against Aston Villa. Why are they scoring here? You mentioned him earlier. Declan Rice is now an official full gooner. And with Gabriel and Zinchenko returning, Arsenal basically looking at a full strength level. Uh, or sorry, full strength 11. And it's pretty murky if Calvert-Lewin is going to play because he usually doesn't. And he's the best chance Everton has at getting a non-fluky goal. So, of course, I'm taking Arsenal on the adjusted line. And then from there, it's just a matter of how creative I want to get to get from a minus number to a plus number. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm with you right there. I have Arsenal on the adjusted line as well. Um, I have very, very little faith in Everton. The only thing that I can point to is, and it'll come through a little bit in my prop bet here, is um, they they have been unlucky. Like, if you look at Everton's underlying numbers, they're actually positive. Um, Now, granted, some of that's tied to the schedule. They played a bunch of weaker teams. So still not, it's not like saying they're an average team that's getting unlucky. They're playing bad teams and like barely, you know, creeping out wins, but they should have definitely won against Fulham. A couple other matches could have been draws very easily. So I do think that they're slightly better than their numbers. I still think they're probably the favorite to go down with all that being said. Um, but this match is going to kind of remind me a little bit of the Arsenal match against Palace. 
Um, and for anybody who suffered through the first half of that match, oh God, I can form a support group who can talk about that. But that was ugly. So my prop bet is actually going to be the first half under a 0.5 goals at plus 225, because this also happened in Everton match against Arsenal last year. They held strong the first half. They were tough. They were escaping by the skin of their teeth with some of these chances that were coming in with Arsenal. Arsenal likes to play that patient probing progress uh, uh, possession style of match. And against Palace, it led to one of the ugliest first halves that I've ever seen with no goals. I think the first half of this is going to be ugly. And then once you start seeing some subs come on, if Jesus starts, as you've mentioned, that means my boy, Eddie Nketi is coming off the bench. I think they're going to break him open in the second half. You're getting over two to one that nothing, basically nothing happens in the first half of this match. And I kind of like those odds. So uh, just like Phil Foden earlier, I'm continuing to build on one of my portfolio bets. This is one of the first that I rush to the window every single week, which is Odegaard one shot on target. That number is minus 170 this week. But if you pair it with Arsenal to win, not even to take the adjusted line, Odegaard one SOT plus Arsenal to win is plus 121, Brett. And I continue to be in love with Odegaard um, because there's just so many ways for him to cash this bet. Like it gets United. You saw him wait patiently in a perfect pocket of space and then absolutely bury the eventual cutback. Later, he danced around several defenders gliding to his left and eventually probed the keeper with a ball that was an easy catch for Onana, but also translates to an easy cash for your boy here. His movement, his creativity, his accuracy are sublime, which makes it really jarring to watch Havertz next to him. It's one thing when Kai was at Chelsea last year and everyone was lost, like having ketchup stain on a red shirt. But now he's just a big blob of red (laughs) on a crisp white dress shirt next to Odegaard. And people can see how sloppy he is with his chances, but not my boy. So I love this bet and I love pairing with Arsenal just to win to get a plus number. If you want an even uh, bigger return, Arsenal win 2-0, at least 2-0 is all the way up to plus 260. I love that one as well. Yeah, I mean, do we officially decide is Odegaard in our Mount Rushmore now? I know we're chiseling Cancelo off. I mean, did you put the work order in for that? Um, Cancelo's getting chiseled off, and is Odegaard is he up there? Is he in our Mount Rushmore? I, I think he's got to be. I, think I feel like be. we he, we we have both very strongly endorsed him. I feel like it's, we have to just make it official right now in the pod. I also look at Mount Rushmore. I'm like, hey, there's more mountain there. Why is it just four faces? Let's That's go ahead and continue That's to add point. to this. I, I mean, I guess why, we could cancel. What did we decide it had to be just four guys? That's true. That's true. We could cancel the work order on Cancelo then. We can leave him up there as kind of like a, you know, just just to, for the remembrance of that one outside the boot pass that we fawned over on the bottom last year. He can stay up there for that one. But so Odegaard, it's official. He's going up there. I'm putting He's him up. going up there. Throw his face up on the mountain. I love watching that guy play. Uh, all right. So here is a game that I think you are going to love watching, which is Manchester United 11th at six points versus Brighton sixth and nine points. This game is Saturday at 10 a.m. United is plus 111. Caesars has Brighton at plus 210 and the draw at plus 275. United on the minus five is plus 105. Brighton's double chance is minus 135. Oh, oh man, Brett. I imagine you are going to watch this game with the shade drawn and a nice <laughs> glass of wine and a bubble bath because it is time to treat yourself. The team you think <laughs> might be the most overrated versus the apple of your eye you, that you have been having a tour to fare with for years in Brighton. How excited are you for this matchup? Oh, I mean, it's great because, I mean, here's the thing, too. Um, you know, Holland scored three goals last week. 
And we had a conversation about Evan Ferguson. Let me check my notes. One, two. Oh, he scored three goals as well. I, sure. I did you know that? And he's only 18 years old. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No. Uh, I. I. I uh, well, hold, on, right. hold on. Hold I, on. I'll, I'll talk about Evan Ferguson. I thought that Evan Ferguson hat trick against Newcastle was amazing for two reasons. One, it was scored by an 18 year old, which is extremely impressive. Yeah. Two, it was amazing how lucky it was and how he instantly got linked with a hundred and thirty million dollar <laughs> yeah, move yes. to City before yeah. the third yeah. randomly deflected ball hit the back <laughs> of the net. The, the middle Soccer goal was Twitter, a- baby. The middle goal was an absolute banger. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I don't quite understand why no one on Newcastle closed out on him. They're all backpedaling faster than an insurrectionist at trial. But the first one was goalie error. And the third one was random chance. So let's not like fully break the world transfer record quite yet. That said, you have been on him since the last year. So by all means, continue your victory lap, sir. Oh, I mean, the, the thing about him is it's not just Evan Ferguson that's an impressive younger attacker for this Brighton team. Um, I do think that they're going to be a, a freaking roller coaster all season long because with the Zerbi style, with the some of their parents in defense, uh, I mean, uh, the, you talk about the game against West Ham. Adam Webster just looked like a fish out of water trying to defend in a ton of space because James Milner can't cover it anymore. Um, Joel Veltman kind of solidified a little bit by coming back in and right back. But this team is super talented. They're going to have some matches that look horrible, but they're also going to be capable of just blowing really good teams off the pitch. I have a sneaking suspicion that like Liverpool Brighton might be the greatest soccer match of all time. Um, (laughs) But I think in this match, the reason I want to point that out is that plus 210 number for them money line. I think it's just a good bet anytime Brighton is getting plus money to just bet them because the the range of outcomes is insane. They could just as easily lose this match 4-0 as they could win it 4-0. So I'm all over the Brighton money line, not just because of my love for Brighton, but just because of the type of team that they are. They are going to test the the old soccer wisdom of keep things close. Don't do things that leave you open to question. Deservey's like, no, 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 F that. Billy Gilmore, Pascal Gross, just do your thing. I don't care if we have a midfield. I'm throwing four other attackers in front of you. We're just going to see what happens. It's fun. I also, the only thing about the first Ferguson goal that I almost forgot to say is I love the announcer call. The announcer call, if you listen to his second goal, the announcer is just there screaming, he's quite a boy! He's quite a boy! <laughs> Which is the exact same thing I'm going to yell for you if you ever hit a defender to score on one of those ridiculous props <laughs> that you seem to put in your five pint every week. I'm going to hold you to that. I'm making a note right now. <laughs> he's quite this- a boy! <laughs> so awesome. Um, I completely agree with you on the variance, which leads me, lead, leads me directly to Brighton to win plus 210. You're absolutely right about that. And plus on the United side, like Rashford scored a great goal against Arsenal, but they generally look like the smaller club for the first 60 minutes, just praying for an Arsenal mistake rather than trying to dictate play, which is how you expect Minnows to play against Wales. And it nearly worked for them because the Garnacho potential winner was like a millimeter, just a millimeter off size. It looked good to the naked eye. And then real time, extra time made a big difference in allowing Arsenal for the game winner. In the Ferguson days, that game ends 2-1 United every single time. But now with Greenwood and Anthony Messes like hanging over the club, casting a black cloud, the vibes are completely off. And with this huge variance for a strong Brighton team, you've got to play the bigger number at plus 210. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just think I think that's going to be I don't want to call it a portfolio bet necessarily because you will have to put a little bit of context to it and not just bet it any time that you see it. But 
yeah, range of outcomes, the same thing with Liverpool coming behind. It's just like this team, anything is possible. So you might as well take the plus money when, when they're a dog against a good team. Um, we play a prop. So the prop is, as I've mentioned, uh, Brighton and defending are not going to be synonymous this year. Uh, and Bruno Fernandes has been a gunning for Manchester United. Uh, he's plus 230 as an anytime goal scorer. He should probably take the penalties as well. Um, and so when you're, whenever you're talking about counters and defenders trying to scramble, penalties are a possibility. I think this game is going to have a lot of, uh, of possession and transition chances. So I like Bruno to, to either get a goal by sneaking into the box during a crazy transition forward and just finding some open space or taking and converting the penalty for, for United. There will be a goal. It doesn't mean that Brighton can't win, obviously. <laughs> there, it's not going to be a 1-0 Manchester United game. Although now that I spoke that into existence, it will be. Um, but I do like Bruno's plus 230 number. Yeah. And I I like that because uh, I like anybody you're getting penalty equity on who also is going to be able to be smooth down the middle in a counterattack. Uh, but I'm just going to lean even further into the variance for mine. I'm taking both the score, no draw. It's plus 108. I do wish Ooh, it was a higher number. And it almost bet. led me to take it almost led me to take the over because the over 3.5 is plus 120, and those are very closely correlated. But both score, no draw, plus 108. Uh, it's a plus number for a bet that plays well when there is extreme variance. I think the only scoreline in this game that would possibly surprise me is like nil-nil. So if we think there's going to be yeah. three, four, five games and uh, goals in this match, and you only really get scared about 2-2 at that point, right? So both score, no draw, plus 108. And, and a really entertaining matchup, it's one of the most entertaining bets. Yeah, I love that. I love that bet. Um, if we're if we're on trendy, I would be tailing that. Completely. So. <laughs> oh, look at you plugging the other program. Oh, we to do that at the end. Uh, all right. Well, let's give our sponsors a chance to plug some of their goods, pay some bills, and we will be right back. Where we are heading down to Italy, and I am a giddy to hit the road and try a little bit something different on this show. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, Brett, we are back. It is what we have been waiting for since we did that introduction at the top of the show. We are going to cover Inter Milan, who are first right now in Serie A with nine points, versus AC Milan, second at nine points. This game is Saturday at 12 p.m. Inter Milan is plus 114. AC Milan is plus 230. The draw is plus 245. Inter Milan minus half a goal is plus 110. And Caesars has AC Milan on the double chance and minus 140. The Derby della Meridina. Did I do that right? Did I even come close? Did I even come uh, close yeah, well, we'll count. I mean, judge, judges. I mean, I, you're asking the guy that also mispronounced his name to like judge your pronunciations. Yeah. I feel like that's not a good thing. We need to have like an independent, actual like Italian person come in and judge this. Yeah, I'm asking the Greek guys already offended every Italian listener. In the exactly. World at the start of the show, right? we have lost all potential people that could judge that because they were offended by Mario, by my Mario presentation. I am so sticking excited to watch this. 
I'm so excited to see them go to battle in the San Sero, a stadium which they both share, and a stadium that I've actually been to, Brad. Here's a very quick quick story. Feel free to hit the skip for one minute if you don't want to hear it. Uh, but this is the story of me falling in love with soccer, and it happened at an AC Milan game at the San Sero in 2001. Uh, my When I was growing up, I'd never been to Europe. I barely even saw it on TV. It was this distant idea and this distant place from a boy from Manassas, Virginia. Never had a chance to ever see it. Uh, and then when I was turning 21, the one thing I asked for for my 21st birthday was a plane ticket to Italy because I just had to go see this like incredible place for, for myself. Obviously, you see The Godfather and et cetera and so forth, and it's hard to believe that that place is real. And then once I get over there and I start exploring Italy, I find myself in Milan and I just see a giant crowd of people walking one direction. And when you see a giant crowd of people and it's 2001 and you don't have a map and you don't have anything else, you follow those people, Brett. And it turns out they're all walking to the San Siro where I was able to buy a ticket, probably illegally, right outside the stadium and walk inside for a huge sports fan to just follow a crowd into one of the most beautiful stadiums he's ever seen. It was over. The moment changed my life. It is where I started falling in love with soccer in the first place. It's where I started falling in love with travel and Europe in general. I ended up studying abroad uh, the next fall specifically because of that trip. It wasn't in the plans. I changed my all my plans to go abroad my fourth year, which is highly unusual, just because of how much I loved it. So that match uh, led me to, to where I kind of am today. I would not be the same if I hadn't studied abroad. I certainly wouldn't be covering this show because I'd still be talking about how hard I was by the commanders over the last 20 years and how I uh, how I didn't find my way into the beautiful game game so i love that of all the places to start we are starting right where it all began for me well the toby origin story is now out there we all have it we know how you were created so that's yeah great. so sorry <laughs> about that everyone well uh, like, so, we, like, we had to listen to me becoming an everton fan your story is way better than that <laughs> yeah well let's hope so it wasn't exactly a high bar to clear pal <laughs> so let's see here, uh, covering a little bit of the history of this matchup. So the Derby della Meradina, I'm going to keep saying until one of them is right, then I'll just have you loop it back in until uh, I get it and we'll edit the rest. Um, they played five times last year, Inter won four of them, all by a clean sheet. They most famously played in the Champions League semifinals. And Milan, and I'm sorry, Inter has dominated this matchup in the last five years, going 11 and 3 and 2. It is kind of crazy how lopsided it's been. Inter made the Champions League final last year, and then they strengthened with some key additions in the offseason Pavard, Sommer, uh, Thuram, and they took possession of the body of Alexis Sanchez, which I thought was really nice of them. And somehow, as I mentioned earlier, Juan Condrado is a contributor for this team, despite being 35 years old and unable to make it into the Premier League a decade ago. Uh, Onana was their big departure over to Manchester United, and then Lukaku, which was a a lot of drama, but not a lot of on-field impact. They still have Lataro Martinez, Nicholas Barella, and Bastoni. They have a really strong spine, and they have Denzel Dumfries out on the right, who remains dangerous as well. So what would you tell people about Inter before I do the same kind of recap for AC Milan? Uh, I just think they're going to be one of the better teams in, in world football this year. Uh, I think full stop. I I really so Marcus Taram has been kind of like a stats darling. He's right in the middle of his prime at 26. Um, they brought him over this year. I mean, he's essentially going to eat up <clears throat> the Jekko minutes, um, which I think is going to be a huge improvement. Uh, they managed to hang on to Lautaro Martinez, who's probably one of the best strikers outside of the Premier League. 
Um, those two are going to be really dangerous. Uh, Federico DeMarco looks like he should be in like an instant cover band, um, but he's actually a pretty good left wing back. Uh, Denzel Dumfries, he's an interesting player. Uh, if, if everybody remembers like Matt Doherty, wing back years from Wolves, he's kind of like that where he does some defensive stuff. And then he gets into the box and gets some shots off and doesn't really do much in between. Uh, but that makes him a pretty good wing back. Uh, as you mentioned, Quadrado kind of backs them up. Uh, the way that Inter plays is interesting, too. They sub their forwards. They sub their wing backs. They do it sort of early. We talked about the advantage that subs have. Um, this team is really interesting. If it wasn't for the fact that a 34-year-old Heinrich Mkhitaryan has played virtually all of their minutes in the first three mm-hmm. matches so far this season, I would be way more bullish on them. Um, but I still think they're going to be pretty good. I think they're going to be the favorites to win the Scudetto. Uh, Scudetto. I, I I like this team. I think they're going to be a hard out in the Champions League. Obviously, we saw them get all the way to the finals last year, and I think they might be almost a little bit better in some ways. Um, so I'm I'm very curious to see what this Inter team does. All right. So over on the AC Milan side, they have Mike Mannion, who's climbing the ranks as the oh, world keeper. I love him. He's a beast. Among the best and who I'm crossing my fingers for is wearing blue next year. And then they also have Rafael Leal, who's one of the most exciting wingers in the world. Plus, they added in the offseason, our boy, Captain America, Pooley came over, uh, Samuel Chukwezi. They added Ruben Loftus-Cheek, a longtime favorite of mine from Chelsea. And also another American, Yunus, Mula, uh, Yunus Musa, who I am hoping develops into a key piece for them. Um, so they only sold Tenali, which you would insist is daylight robbery. And they also still have Oliver Giroux and big Fick, who is suspended for this match because he took a red card their last time out. So, uh, I mean, like there are no slouches either, right? Like both of these teams are off to a super hot start. They've both won three games on the trot and to have this matchup between the two top teams in Syria at the San Sero uh, with the storied rivalry is almost too good to be true, Brett. I am so excited for Saturday. How do you see the actual game playing out? Uh, I still have not seen enough from AC Milan to see if they're really fixed their offensive woes. Um, so Pulisic has helped uh, getting a third attacker out there. I mean, they were rolling out some some guys that uh, I don't know about them. Um, that were more like that. That I think you could basically generously call defensive wingers, and that might have been too much. <laughs> um, so getting like a legit third attacker outside of Giroud and Leal. Um, was a was a good good signing for them. They obviously are kind of banking on the fact that maybe the fact that the league is less physically grinding than the Premier League keeps Pulisic healthy. Um, so you, you can kind of see the Redbird capital influence already in their player acquisition. Uh, one other guy too that that didn't make your list, but I think is interesting for them is Noah Okafor. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a Redbird Red Bull Salzburg guy. Uh, has a pretty good track record of scoring goals in the Champions League for Salzburg. Um, young Swiss uh, Swiss player, I think he could be really interesting. Uh, Chukwezi could be, as you mentioned, could be really interesting. And Loftus Cheek, like for ten million. Loftus Cheek is not like a dude that you're going to be blown away that he's on your your club, but he does a lot of stuff in terms of moving the ball forward with his feet and with his passing. You know, big athletic guy in the midfield. Jonas Musa is the same way. Um, you can kind of get a clear identity of this four three three that they're trying to piece together, right? Um, so I think it's yeah. Cool. I mean, j- just jumping in there for one second. RLC is just like a guy who goes into the transfer portal and moves down to like a smaller conference, but he was he always had like you know SEC size. 
And so to get a guy who's that big and that fast and that strong, and suddenly you move him into a league where he's not full of his peers, but he's full of people that are a little more frail than him. He looks like an absolute bull in the China shop every time he picks the ball up in the midfield to advance it. Yeah. I mean, and again, like it's, it's they're they're clearly identifying some undervalued skill sets here too. I'm sure there's something in their numbers, especially with, with Pulisic off, off the ball movement that led them to believe that he would be a great fit for their roster, especially playing off a target man like Olivier Giroud. So there's some interesting things here. I don't think it's translated quite yet. Um, they're, they basically had less than one expected goals worth of chances against Bologna. They've outperformed their XG against Torino and Roma following that. Um, so I'm not sure the attack is like truly rounded into form yet. And Inter is getting back to their shutdown glory. They have not allowed more than a single, uh, goals worth of chances in a match yet, uh, yet this year. Um, so I'm kind of backing them. I, you could clearly see by the way that I was talking about that roster, um, compared to kind of the quizzical nature, nature, I was talking about Milan that I do just think they're the better, more solidified team. Um, so I'm actually taking the inner money line at plus plus one fourteen. Um, I just think that this is, they're still the better club. You've mentioned their success last year. I don't think the Milan changes have, are going to be integrated and, and catching them up quite yet, but I do think this will be a really, really fun title race to follow along with outside of the Premier League. So uh, you mentioned the show earlier, Brett. We launched a new one called Trendy, which I'm hosting. And we play a game there called Heart, Head, Heat, or Cred. And so the idea is, are you betting with your heart? Are you betting with your head and therefore following numbers? Are you just playing patterns that you see and you, you'll play them no matter what, just kind of like I am with Foden right now on his anytime assists? Or if you had one bet just to give out, you're only going to make one bet the entire week, what would it be? This is not a cred bet. This is not a heater bet. This is not a head bet. This is purely a heart bet, baby, because my heart will always be blue but i think i have my own mistress it's not going to be in the premier league like you i'm not a two-timing uh two-timer like you are cheating on people right next to them where they live i at least have the courtesy to travel outside into another country to have my mistress but it's going to be ac milan they feature four former chelsea players they have both Pooley and musa who are americans they are owned by americans they are strongly influenced by analytics italy is my favorite country to visit in the world being both my first and Hopefully my last one day, I'd love to retire there, even in my honeymoon in between. So while Inter may be higher on SPI right now, they may have the better roster. Uh, I believe that uh, AC Milan has the firepower available to them to start the reverse Inter's recent dominance and can at least avoid a loss. So I won't go all the way to the money line, but I will take AC Milan on the double chance at minus 140 with my Italian heart. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a bad bet. I, I think that there is a, a pretty significant upside of this AC Milan roster if all these things hit. Things like Pulisic stays healthy. Um, this is away from the San Siro, though. That is the one thing that also kind of led me towards the inter side of things. Um, and my But my prop bet is actually going to be sort of hedging a little bit. <laughs> it's the both teams to score no at plus 100. Um, as you pointed out, one of my favorite goalkeepers in the world is Manion. Uh, he is an absolute monster, uh, that the semifinal match, the highlight of that match for me last year in the champions league was watching him and Onana go head to head, just preventing goals. Um, I think that there's a good chance that one of these teams ends up with a zero in the score sheet, which isn't like a super exciting thing. It's like, hey, come watch Italian soccer and then bet that they don't score goals. Um, but 
I do think that that's probably one of the most likely outcomes is that any any range that I see, there's a zero on one side or the other. Um, so I kind of like that you're getting even money on that. All right. Well, I'm going to continue my sucker bet here, baby. You should fade everything I'm saying. This is not one that I feel uh, that I have any expertise in. Unlike the Premier League, this continues to just be what I want to manifest in the world to happen. So, of course, give me the over 2.1, uh, 2.5 at minus 115. Watching these games, it is crazy how much space Italian teams have to operate, particularly on the wings. Like so many plays that would result in crunching tackles in the Premier League out wide suddenly give way to really talented wingers dancing in acres of space. It's so, sometimes I wonder, like, are they playing with 10 men? Is this like currency conversion? <laughs> is it somehow like you only allowed to have 10 in Italy, but you can have 11 in, in uh, the rest of the world? It, it looks nuts how much space they're given to express themselves. So in a game which could have attacks that lead to counterattacks that lead to counter counterattacks, and I like their opportunity, especially with guys like Leal, to come in and get a couple of balls into the net. Um, I will also say, you've already mentioned it, that Pulisic is plus 330 to score as the anytime, and Layout is plus 275. Layout's the other one I really consider giving out. Go back and watch the Layout goal from last week. He scored an overhead kick from his uh, Go ahead and bleep it. I don't care. He scored an overhead kick from his while the defender was putting a Mortal Kombat level finishing move on him. I am so in on Serie A, baby. And it's why I'm taking the over. I keep saying it on Trendy that uh, overs make friends and unders make money. I'm watching Italian soccer while drinking in the middle of a day on a Saturday. I'm here to make friends. Give me that over. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I hope I hope for the sake of the fact that we're highlighting this game. Uh, that there are a lot of goals, especially because one of our other options was Bayern and, and Leverkusen over in Germany. Um, and so I think uh, this game, this game has the potential to be pretty good. I think this matchup has the, the chance to be pretty good going down the line. And I would not be shocked to both see these teams competing for the Scudetto and making noise in the Champions League this year. All right. Well, that was super fun. We'll head to a different league next week. I haven't looked ahead to see who we'll be covering, but uh, I enjoyed going abroad. That was that was fresh and interesting. Right? It's important to get out of your comfort zone every once in a while. Uh, but my comfort zone continues to be in the five-pint pickoff, Brett, even though you are ahead right now. We both had great weeks to start off September. You are ahead 7.6 to 6.5. It's the first time we're both profitable in the same week this year. So it was a perfect time to take a break for the internationals to go out in their usual money grab. Uh, for this week, I am going to take the following five bets. I have to lead it off because I'm just laying it until they tell me not to. Phil Foden plus 280 anytime assist. And I'm also taking City plus 155 to win to nil. I am doubling up on City props this week. I'm going to go with Odegaard with his one shot on target and plus Arsenal to win at 121. I'm going with Chelsea wins the first half to nil at plus 155. And Syria, I couldn't cover it without giving it out. So give me that over. Let's go ahead and make some friends. Inter Milan, AC Milan, over 2.5, minus 115, noon on Saturday. Can't wait. All right. Well, I am. Uh, I also made sure that I, I I didn't want to, but I made sure. I was like, we're covering Syria, AC Milan. I can't have a bet, not my five pint. Uh, but so I'll start off with my Premier League one first. Uh, I have City on the over of two and a half goals just for City themselves at plus 145 for two pints. Good team, good thing. One of our favorite axioms on the show. 
Um, I have the first half under a 0.5 goals at plus 225 in Arsenal Everton. I have Brighton at plus 210 for a pint because it's Brighton. They're my side piece. Let's go. Uh, and the final one would be the Inter Milan uh, or Inter and AC Milan game. Uh, both teams to score no at even money for a pint. Sorry, I'm a downer. I'm rooting for no goals, but hey, the spreadsheets call to me. The yeah. siren song. Well, this is nice. Maybe you'll finally beat me for once if I'm just going to make all these heart bets and you're going to continue to follow the spreadsheets. But we'll find out. And it's just why we're doing the show trendy. How about that for a transition, Brett? How about that oh, for that a transition? Is, well, that is a segue bad, to end huh? all segues. Can tell I took those broadcasting lessons. Uh, so we, I do have a new show, Trendy. It is three days a week. It is on the old AAO feed. We have a guest host and me compete in a contest similar to the five pint pickoff every single week. Uh, Brad Evans was our first guest the first week, and this week we are lucky to be joined by Sarah Tiana. I am almost certain she is beating me, but I haven't tallied last night's bloodbath. Uh, and then also on the network, please tune in if you are a, a football Americano fan to our 15 minute halftime show with Dave Davishek and Kevin Hench. It'll be on YouTube, it'll be on Twitter, it'll be all over places. Forget these three or four hour shows, just tune in for the only 15 minutes you need. Waiver Wired is back on its own feed now, and so is Lemon Pepper Parlay. So if you're looking for those feeds, they're not going to be on Money Grab for much longer. They are now getting published on their own feeds, and Money Grab will be covered in glory only. And I'll Obviously, turn in for minus three as well. Kevin Hench is recording today, and it's often the best content we do all week. And extra points on Wednesday with Dave Damashek, Sarah Tiana, and a special guest, just covering all the nonsense that Dave likes to list in a more organized fashion. So those are all the things that are happening at the Extra Points Network. We hope that wherever you are, that you have enjoyed our content this week. If you don't have the time to listen to all of it, please download our best of edition, which gets released on the Extra Points points feed on friday your very own brett corominos is the guy editing it and then picking the clips so if you do not like it it is his fault just like if you do not like the syria ah gimmick that we just did it is also his fault he is the one who wanted to do it i was dragged along and you could tell i did not enjoy it whatsoever so i hope you guys do enjoy the premier league games this week brett anything you want to tell the folks before we sign off uh, no, just that their third ac- axiom of the show is it's always my fault. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, Let's end the show the- right there. Have a great yeah. week. It's always Brett's fault. It's always Brett's fault. And we will be back next week with our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. Take care, everyone. Yeah.